Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Erin Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches-sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on. Community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four, uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today. Destiny, thank you for the beautiful intro. Um, hello, everybody. It's super cool to see familiar faces. Casey, what's up, girl? Omega, I think I'm missing some people. That's nuts. Um, to introduce myself, I'm a believer in God. Um, I'm created in his image. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. Um, to me, all those things are just a little bit more important how I would define myself um, and a whole bunch of other things. You know, I'm a poet, an activist all that good stuff. But I would say, you know, I'm a lover of people and I enjoy serving. Hence why um, I decided to join the ranks with you all and be a coach uh, to serve the future, to serve those um, that are coming up after me that hopefully won't have to experience what I experienced in some regards and hopefully will experience some amazing things I experienced through the game of basketball. Uh, I've been a lot of places, did a lot of things. Um, but actually right now transitioning, I'm actually leaving the college game uh, in a week. Um, and uh, God has some other things planned for me. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more. There's some reasons, some specific reasons why uh, I am uh, that we'll probably talk about here tonight. But I'm just grateful to be here. Don't want to take up much more of your time. Thank you for listening. I, again, hope that you have open hearts and open minds. And I hope you have questions at the end so we can get down to nitty gritty and grow as people. Thank you. And I'll pass it over to Dosha. I hope I said that right. <laughs> Yes, you did, as, as we we're practicing, saying each other's names, so good job. Um, I'm Dosha Woods. As they said, I am um, currently assistant coach at Tulane in New Orleans. Um, I've been here, I don't even know how long anymore, 10 years. Um, I've been coaching for a while. This is next season. Hopefully we have one. 
will be my 20th season. So I'm definitely excited about this panel, as I told them prior to us starting. Um, I've done a few of these. Um, I definitely have a lot of energy for you guys tonight um, to discuss. I know we all bring our unique backgrounds in our different areas. So um, I'm excited to learn from the panelists and obviously taking you guys' questions as well. So um, thank you for having me again, Ashton and Aaron and Destiny, you're, or no, Destiny, you already went my bad. Lauren, you're up. You got me there, Ashton? We're good? Perfect, good. Hey guys, Lauren Johnson, uh, Charleston Southern women's basketball, formerly Augusta University, formerly my alma mater, Southern Wesleyan University. And, um, you know, like the other lady said, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here, um, blessed to be here. I think I, two things that I do well and I love basketball and serving. And so here I am as an assistant coach. So um, I, this is my third, maybe women in sports, um, panel joining in on uh, to listen to. And now this is my first one to speak on. So I'm just excited. Thank you guys for being here. Ashton, Aaron, thank y'all for having us. Thank y'all for being here. I think this is a huge step, just asking questions and, and continuing the conversation. Yes, great. Thank you guys. Uh, speaking on continuing the conversation, the first topic we really want to hit on is how are you guys handling the racism issues with your teams? How are you speaking with them, talking with your players, your staff members, people you work with? Sure, I'll go first. I think um, the first thing our players just really need to know, guys, is that we're, we're here for them, um, that we're going through the same things that, that they are. Um, before we get into, you know, which side you're on or your opinion, it's more important that they just, they know you, they know you know they're hurting and they may need to talk, they may not need to talk, you know, but just being able to be there for them, I think that is probably the biggest thing that we can do. Uh, we talk about family, we talk about, you know, hey, I'm here for you, you wanna get an extra workout in, or, you know, you need an extra, you need a tutor, I can hook you up with that. But then when it comes to a conversation like this, one that may be uncomfortable, now we don't wanna, now we don't wanna talk to them. Now we don't wanna be there for them. Now we don't want to care for cater to that side of them. You know what I mean? And that's the real side. Basketball is a small portion of their life. And now here we are, like I said, in a much bigger issue than, than any of us or any of them. And now we're, we're, we're shelling up. We don't want to talk about it. And so um, from that too, I think it's important that our players know what, what we believe in, that they know exactly where we stand on this issue. We're doing these virtual um, uh, visits, Zoom visits right now. And one of our assistant coaches, when he introduces our head coach, he says, now we're going to turn things over to our head coach because you need to know the coach you're playing for. And that's so huge. Like, that's so true. Like, they have to know who we are as people and what we have in here. You know what I mean? Um, if they don't, everything else is going to be skewed. Everything else is going to be off. And so they have to know where we stand. And then from there, if they don't stand there with us, we have to also say, if, if you're not comfortable with that, if, if you don't understand where I'm coming from, then just come talk to me. You know what I mean? We're, we're not going to write you off. We're not going to cut you from the team. We're not going to dismiss you. But we also have to open that door and tell them, even if this is not where you stand, come talk to me. I'm still here for you. You know, I'm still able to care for you. You know, I can still love on you while still trying to fix the issues of the heart. You know what I mean? So let them know we're here for them regardless. We feel what they feel. And from there, tell them how you stand. And from there, if they don't agree or they do agree, I'm here for you regardless. I would add to that too, Lauren. I know obviously a lot of the talk is around, you know, we, 
lot of races and I, I, I see a lot of white faces on here and we'll get into this depth later, but I think it's important to also hold that space for your white athletes as well. You know, college is that last time that we really can, you know, as, as our young people double dutch between, I can be a kid because sometimes they act like, you know, they're still 14 and then all of a sudden, oh coach, I'm grown. Well, no, you're not, you're not, you're not grown. So I think it's that last time that they really get to do that. So as they're processing all that, you think about it. And I've said this a lot, we, we right now are at a point where this is the first time that we're forced to deal with racism. All of us, you know, black people, we've been in a position where, you know, uh, unfortunately we've learned how to not talk about it. We've learned how to just kind of dance around it and not express and say what's on our minds. So we've been playing that game. And so now here we are, we, you know, white people are here to listen, but we don't know how to articulate it because we, we're not, you know, we're not used to talking about it because of the pandemic, it's in our face. Because of the pandemic, we can't, there's no escape from it. So I think it's important that as we are having these conversations, this is, I mean, I'm 41. This is the most in my lifetime that I've seen people mobilize, but we add that on top of the technology issue. So I think that was important for us to kind of talk to our players about. We had a team Zoom and then some individual conversations because you know what they, the pressure that they put on each other. Well, you didn't say this, or you didn't like this. Well, you all of a sudden can't be who you're not either. And if it's not authentic, we've already seen enough of those type of statements come out where you're trying to say too much or not say enough or whatever. And I've had a couple of our athletes reach out to us and it, both colors, right? And I, and I said, unless you're authentic, if you're not comfortable saying it, speaking it, then, then just wait a second. I know the silence is like a catchphrase right now, but I think it's important to also, if we're talking about what we do as college coaches to kind of hold that space for both, you know, obviously your black athletes to feel what they're feeling, but then your white athletes, because regardless, they're young people trying to navigate this space together. And it's uncomfortable for us as adults. So I can only imagine, because I know how I was when I was, when I was that age. So um, I just think that's important. I'm definitely not trying to change a narrative, but I think that's what we do as coaches is we have to be there for um, everybody in their feelings. Dosha and Lauren, thank you. Uh, I agree with everything you guys said, and I can actually tell you about an experience we had at our team meeting about what's happening in our country today uh, at 1 p.m. And I got to get props to my head coach who was white, a white female. She did a ton of research. She did a whole bunch of asking and trying to educate herself in certain regards. But what I think is first and foremost is this. We can have a discussion with our team, but if we haven't done our own individual work to purify our own hearts and check us, and check me. We can't have a discussion with our team that's about them and they. The discussion's gotta be about me, my, I, and we. And that's gotta be the focus. And so that's something I had to have a talk like with our staff. Like we can't step in here being like with those cops and these people because we are those peoples. Not saying that we have hate in our heart. I'm not accusing anybody of that. But whatever change is gonna come from this, it has to start with me first. I have to look inside my heart. I, the, the greatest advocate of change is our own testimony. So if I don't, if I get in front of my team talking about they, them, well, then they can just look at, they can just generalize themselves too. So then there's no self-reflection. There's no self-assessment because see, we have a ton of hurt and pain within our own teams that as I agree with Dosha, it's hard to even talk about being a person of color. And so it was pretty cool today for two hours, our team broke that down. My sister's actually on staff and she did a really good job of facilita facilitating questions that were well thought out that she discussed with my head coach for probably over a week. My head coach did a really good job too of having conversations with um, our black players on the team. How do you feel? Where are you at? 
And to be honest with you, she had to take some really heavy doses of her own self coming back to her in a representation of how those players felt. And so with all that conversation that was done beforehand, when we came to the team, it seemed like there was a culture of acceptance already, that we could be open and we could be honest. And it was um, very powerful for my white female head coach to speak her own testimony so those that looked like her felt comfortable enough to speak theirs. But I want to be clear, these conversations aren't supposed to be comfortable. We have got to be okay with sitting in discomfort. Because I'm going to be honest with you, as a Black woman in this world, I sit in discomfort every single day. And I figured out how to work around it and how to work through it. But now that we're having these conversations and those that don't have to sit in that every day, welcome to the table. But you've got to be ready and willing to sit in it, to have awkward silences and not rush it and, and, and feel like you can't have that moment where people need to think, where they need to take it in, reassess. Is this something that I actually do? Have I ever thought about this? You got to leave room. We talk about this when we speak and we bring up new topics. You got to let that awkward silence sit. It's the same thing in these situations. But the awkwardness might also be coming from you. Because again, we have to address ourselves. As a coach, I believe that we can't have buy-in if we first don't live it. So I can't get in front of my team and discuss something that I don't first live. And this is what I mean. I don't mean that we're perfect. Maybe you're realizing some things today, five minutes before that meeting. But your transparency and vulnerability, no matter race, color, or creed, is going to be more of an impact than possibly a video that you'll be able to show them or some questions that you'll be able to ask that they can generalize. So I would say in these discussions, keep it specific, keep it about you, me, mine, we, um, and be transparent. There's some really good uh, videos you can bring into it and resources. Um, there's a list going around. I thought my head coach did a really good job of having this list and talking about white privilege and educating before we actually got into the heart of the conversation, because there's a lot of education that's being missed of understanding what privilege is. Um, and the fact that you don't have to live the way I live because of the way the system was built. Um, and so that, I thought that was really good. Uh, and I, I can talk, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna just leave that right there. Um, Destiny, if you have anything, <laughs> go ahead. That's phenomenal. You're phenomenal, you're powerful, and I want you to know that. Um, so for me, as far as what I want to contribute and what my team needs to see is that they have a coach who's not afraid to use her voice. And I think that's what's most powerful is regardless of what that voice is, whether that means I'm standing with you, like, like we've all kind of mentioned, everyone comes from all different walks of life. So you can't assume one person agrees with you or doesn't agree with you. So what you have to do is basically say, hey, look, this is what I believe in, and I'm not going to be afraid to speak for it. If you don't agree, I support you too. It's okay if you have disagreements and if you guys aren't all on the same page, but on my Zoom, on our team Zoom, we've had, I, so I'm kind of dipping and dabbling. ICC is, I'm still with ICC a little bit, and then I'm also doing my Zooms with UIS because I'm not officially at UIS yet. But the one thing that I have, I did mention on the one on, on Monday that we had with UIS is that. I am okay and I'm fully I'm fully aware that I'm speaking on what I know on my platform. So I use my platform to my advantage because I'm somebody who people look up to. I have players who look up to me. And if I'm somebody who sits back and just is silent and I'm quiet and I'm like, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to step on toes. Who am I to say you can speak on what you believe in? Because if I'm not speaking on what I believe in, how can I encourage you to do the same? So of course, I'm going to be respectful. I'm going to be respectful 100% of the time because I'm a, but I'm, because I'm a coach, I'm going to be respectful because I'm a coach, but I'm a woman first. 
And I'm also a black woman first. So if there's injustices happening in the community, it's not necessarily white versus black. At this point, it's right versus wrong. It's justice needs to be served on so many levels and it's gone silent for so long. So now these things are continuously happening and coming to light because we have these things called cell phones now where it's being recorded and filmed and now people are being made aware and they're like, oh, this is a problem. Maybe that cop was wrong. Like, but this has been happening for years, you guys. Like, this is not new. This has been happening for years, but I'm so glad that it's been brought to the light because now it's giving us a platform to say, hey, look, we've been here, we've been seeing this. But now we can walk you through our shoes a little bit more too. So I think it's important as coaches that we speak up for our kids. And I also made it very clear, if there's injustices happening in your life, you better believe I'm standing behind you. If there's problems that you're having in your family and you need my support, I'm there. But in this moment, I need to support my black community. So I'm making sure they are aware that I will be there for them 100%. I'm 10 toes down for my family, my team, but I'm also 10 toes down for my black community because that's where my heart is first. So it's really important that you guys understand that it's okay to use your voice and it's okay for people to disagree with you. And it's okay to be uncomfortable because right now during this time, we all need to get really comfortable being uncomfortable. That is going to be our new norm. So get uncomfortable. You guys, as coaches, we have to get uncomfortable. Have the uncomfortable conversations and just leave it open. Like they've all said, just let them know you're there for them. And that if maybe they don't feel comfortable talking about it on like a Zoom platform, tell them to reach out to you personally. You don't have to force any conversations. Some people don't want to talk about it. But if they do, you need to make sure they know that you're there to listen, whether whatever side they're on, like maybe they just want to learn. So just open that gate, you guys, we have to open the gate for those conversations to happen. And we can't expect our women to want to step in those leadership positions if we're not able to use the voice that God gave us. So that's my contribution to that question. You have to speak up for your team. You have to show them that you have a voice and you, you're going to use it. I use my hands a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know you're good. I literally, I had to switch to my phone. So we're good. But I was like, that was just went on and it was beautiful. And I was like, did everyone answer? Cause I feel like they still had so much more. Um, but basically what I also just want to note is that this conversation transcends out of sports. Um, I think a huge quote that um, I heard on our town hall meeting was that America needs to take a page um, from the book of sports. So we need to start using sports and using these platforms to not only um, create dialogue with our teams, but have our teams then create di dialogue with their families, with people that they know in their communities that do not have the same relationships that we do as athletes in our community, as well as really looking at, are they addressing what they feel deep down or are they just kind of brushing it off? So just kind of speaking to that, what is a way that like you guys have been able to speak out and be fearless of the fact, not worried about a job or not worried about those things? How, what, what is some advice that you can tell um, other coaches that that kind of is something that weighs really heavy on them? And that kind of is something that a lot of coaches in the past have not said things because they are worried about losing their jobs or players or future jobs and things like that. I guess I got a simple little takeaway. 
um, the very first thing that each and every one of us are is human. I'm not a, I don't, that's why I didn't introduce myself as a coach. Because if that's what defines me, if that's the very first thing that I am, then I failed. The very number one thing that each and every one of us have in common is that there's blood running through our veins, that we are human. I have faith, so I believe that God created us in his image, each and every one of us equal. With that being said, if we're human and if we claim family, like we do with our teams, I'm guessing everybody speaks on family or unity or something like that, then the humanness of each and every one of us supersede our title any day. So if family is something you believe in, and, and if you have faith, if you're a believer here that I'm talking to as well, and you believe in the gospel of Christ, that love and, and he came and he died for our sins and he created us all equal, right? Then injustice to one is injustice for you. Injustice for some player on your team, even if you don't have faith, is injustice to you. So Samantha, hello, I don't know how to say your last name. Your children are beautiful, but I want to use it for an example, okay? <laughs> all right, they're super cute, okay? Samantha had some beautiful kids and Samantha, I'm guessing that if something happened to them, you would give all you could to protect them and to fight for justice. Am I right? Straight up. So if I'm called your sister, if I'm, you know, for the men on the call, if that's your brother, then why would you allow something that can be easily stripped from you anyway for any other reason to get in the way of you standing with them? If you believe in human first, as all being together on this thing, you know, as humans first, and then for those as believers, God created us all. And to really love someone is to protect them. If you look at First Corinthians 13, verses seven, it is to protect, it is to stand with, it is to bear with. And so that would be my encouragement. And I'm gonna lie to you, I've been one, all right? I used to straighten my hair, I used to do all kinds of stuff because I look a certain way to get a job. So I hold on to things because that reputation was everything. Oh, and that's part of the reason why I'm leaving collegiate coaching for a little bit. I almost lost myself and almost lost my voice because keeping that job and, and, and doing what I could to make a way for somebody else and the way that I was doing it, I almost lost my voice. And if we get to that point, again, we're losing our humanness. So I would just challenge us to get outside of a title. Well, I'm going to have to slow down. There's an intersection here. Okay. That's my cue to stop talking, but I'm guessing y'all got my point. All right. We're humans first. Can I, I'm just going to remind, can everyone please make sure you're on mute just for the, the rest of the show. We'll have a time where you can unmute yourself, but just for less distractions, please mute yourself. I'll contribute um, very peacefully, but quickly. Uh, I think in this case, if you have someone that is willing to let you go because you speak out on your beliefs, and the injustices that are happening in this country, if that is what forces you to lose your job, you don't wanna be there anyway. Um, and the reason why I say that is because all too often we settle in positions, relationships, jobs, things that make us unhappy, but as soon as we speak our voice on what we believe in, then all of a sudden we're supposed to be able to make everybody else happy. Like we need to make ourselves happy in some moments too. So. If speaking out against injustice is what you believe in, and if that forces you to lose your job, that tells you the kind of people that employed you. And in that moment, I'm good. I'll find another job. So just know that right is right and wrong is wrong. And so at the end of the day, if you are just speaking out on what's wrong, 
how can anybody punish you for that? Because it's a fact, it's wrong. Like injustice in general is wrong, it needs fixed. It's still here, it exists, racism exists. All of it is real. So if you're scared or fearful to speak out on that, find your heart. You gotta find your heart. That's all I'll say. I think I'll just add, I think it's important um, as I told our players is to be authentic. I think sometimes, and again, you know, dealing with this, you know, racism in this technology era, I think it's so easy to kind of scroll through and see what everybody else is saying, how they're saying it, and then trying to craft your words around that. And that's where you get in trouble. I think when we're positioned as coaches is, you know, our players respect our um, authenticity, um, who we are and saying it, how it's, it's actually your personality. And I'd see that with social media sometimes is, you know, oh, well, this person said it this way. I, I, I like to write too. And so that's how I like to express myself. I've shared some of my poems, but I think it's like, you, you guys have to say it and feel what's right for you. And don't get kind of caught up into, well, this person said it this way, because if it doesn't sound like you, people are gonna recognize that. And then you have a whole nother, you know, heap of issues that it's not necessarily about what you can and can't say. It's just when you start to get out of character, it's uncomfortable for you and it's not going to sound right. So just be authentic in what you want to say. And I think ultimately your employers know that, you know, as Destiny and um, Anya said, in terms of who you work for, you need to be able to navigate that. But I think this is a big issue that if you find the courage to say something, say it in a way that feels right for you, not for the next person. And then I know I'm probably a little different if it doesn't feel right. You know, I have a, you know, coworker where we, we've, you know, we're both black, but we've handled it, you know, different. And it's like waiting, you want to get your words together. Well, that's her and that's her personality. That's what's comfortable for her. And I think we have to be real careful, whether it's, you know, talking to another black person or talking to another white person is trying to get everybody to react and respond to this the way that I want to respond. Again, I like to write. I'm pretty active on Twitter. If any of you guys have Twitter, that's what I like to do. You probably see a lot of tweets, retweets. But for the next person, black or white, it's probably not them. And, it, and, and they can have their way that they handle it. So I think being authentic and the people that you work for recognize that, should recognize that. Yeah, I'll be super quick. I'm, you know, very simple answer for me. I'm, I'm a woman of faith. Sorry, my, my camera's messed up here. I'm a woman of faith and I'm a believer. And so... You know, I believe that coaching is a calling for me. You know, I was called to do this. God put me in this position. And so look, what if I'm called for a time such as this to speak out about what I believe in for my team, for my players, for my community? And who am I to then shut up and waste that opportunity? And so I have no choice but to speak up. And so if so-and-so doesn't like that, then I'm okay with that. I can go to bed. I can sleep at night knowing that I did what God put me here to do when I was to do it. And if I lose a job for that, then I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. And I'll leave you with a quick quote. Muhammad Ali said, he says, you lose nothing when fighting for a cause. The losers are those who don't have a cause to care about. Yes, literally. Yeah. Everything about that. Um, something that I think really resonated with me was the way that coach Covington, you just really talked about like inwardly. I know you all have, um, but just hitting on what are some questions that you, or, or not just you, anybody can answer this of ways um, to question your players or question just anybody of like inwardly what to look for. Um, I know like for me personally, I look at the way that I can love people well and care for them. 
and how I can make sure that I'm treating them with the utmost respect, as well as understanding the way that I need to be loved and cared for. What are some ways that you guys have been able to have hard conversations with people, with white people, with your players of just questioning their intentions and where their heart is, is centered in all of this? Um, I'll just say that I don't necessarily think it's necessary to force um, them to say anything if they don't want to say anything, but I do think it's important that they know where you as coaches stand. Um, Cause I know there's lots of people who maybe don't feel comfortable talking about it. So I think it's just giving your players the space they need. And if they want to come to you or if they want to voice that they have every right to know that you have opened that door to do so. But I know that there's lots of people who aren't comfortable talking about it because it is an uncomfortable conversation. And there's people who are more comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations than others. But I think just opening the gate and letting them know that you're there for them and that if they want to talk about it, you have that reign by all means. But I don't think it's necessary to necessarily force them to have an opinion or force them to talk about it because not everybody will. And not everybody has an opinion. It's that as it is. There's some people who genuinely they don't, they don't have anything to say. And I I pray for those people that they find something to say and they find a voice, but it's not necessarily my job to pull it out of them. So give people the space they need. And if they want to come talk to you, make sure you open the gate so that they can. I I would just add to that too, Destiny, that it's important that the education side of it too is, you know, being, you know, giving them the space to come and speak, but then also kind of educating ourselves as coaches on, you know, how to have different conversations, how I'm going to have the conversation with uh, a white player is probably going to be different than a conversation I'm going to have with a black player because their experiences are going to be different. So it's kind of the same as just really giving them the space. I think some, you know, questions, you know, again, I go back to this is, you know, their, their time of growing up and last step before adulthood that, you know, this is the first time it's, it's, we're forced to talk about it as I keep saying, and it's in their face. So giving them kind of the space to talk about it and, you know, a few conversations that I've had, they just can't find the words. They, and they're scared. I, I think these, the young people, young people that we're, we're coaching, especially the white ones are just scared because they don't, they don't want to say the wrong things. So I think give them, this has happened so fast that I think having a little patience and giving them time to kind of find their voice in that and find the right ways to say it, because it, I feel like it, you know, we were just dealing with COVID and all of a sudden is we know racism didn't go anywhere, but it, it came out as fast. Like, hey, talk about it. Everybody's wake up, talk about it. And, you know, it was, it was just very fast. So I think just kind of giving them some space to be like, okay, what does this mean for me? And I do think that they're trying to sit back and it's almost a mixed message. We talk about white silence, don't be silenced. Um, but then we want to hear you too. So they're like, okay, well, which one is it? So I think it's just, you know, giving them time to educate themselves about how they want to approach the subject. So they make sure that they're also in the right headspace. I found that a lot of fear comes from this conversation because it hasn't been had enough. And so I know with me and all, all my players love me. Um, I can tell by how they respond and they tell me, um, and I never, I know that's probably a term they say you shouldn't use, but I'm using it in the purest sense. So they they find me as a safe space to talk. So I think, I guess, it first and foremost starts out with the relationship. Um, having a relationship with your p- players and, and coworkers. Like yesterday, in my opinion, was the first day our entire staff actually had a talk about racial injustice, race in general. And I think that these conversations with your staff have got to be had so then they can be prepared to help 
and uh, create opportunities for our players to see this and to grow from it. But uh, looking at our team that's predominantly white, a lot of um, my beautiful white players haven't had, they haven't, I don't wanna say they haven't been forced, but they haven't had the opportunity or chosen to seek the opportunity or choose when she, they have the opportunity sitting there to actually dive in there and have the conversation. So I think sometimes uh, with the fear, um, you still have to tell truth and challenge. And I think oftentimes it's a good quality for those that look the same to not be afraid to have those conversations. Cause again, there's comfortability, but I guess uh, while having those uh, tactic that I think is just good as people, as I always like to, to, to come to a common ground. As I explained to our players today, we've all experienced loss. Each and every one of us have experienced loss in some way. One of my players brought up, you know, their dog died. Someone brought up their grandfather died. They were really close with, you know. I said, great. So we can come together. Not great. Obviously, that's not a good thing. But we can come together on that level. So you've experienced loss. You know, we, I had them raise your hand. Who has experienced injustice? Because as women, even as men, I mean, you could look, you could be the youngest in your family and you don't, you know, get the same say. So we've all experienced injustice at some level. So now we have this commonality where it's like, okay, okay, I actually can speak to something. So now when I bring in that extra layer of the racial injustice that this entire country was built off of over 400 years ago, not that you can fully understand that experience, but you have a glimpse of what we go through on a day-to-day -day basis. So then we can actually have a conversation. But I think by bringing in commonality of emotions and of experience at a basic level allows for true conversation when we start getting into more personal stuff that people may or may not be able to, to directly relate to, but because we at least started out with something, they have an ounce. Um, I'm glad you asked the question, you know, pertaining to the heart, because this is not a political issue. This is not a, social economic issue. This is a matter of the heart, period. You know, um, we find out a lot of people, their hearts aren't in the right place. And I can try to change a mind all I want to. I can talk to you all I want to, but that's all I'm doing is changing a mind. And so matter of the heart, I, I got nothing to do with that. I only know one who can change a heart. And all I can do in that instance is lead them to the one who can change that heart. And, and model what that looks like, model what he would do, what he would say, what he tells me to do, what he tells me to say. That's, that's literally all I can do in this situation. We can talk about it and we should, and we will, that's great. But at the same time, again, this is a, an issue of the heart and I, can, I, I, can't, I can't appeal to that. I can pull on your heartstrings, but I cannot change your heart. And so again, that's all I can do in this situation is to constant prayer. I can do a lot of things while I'm praying, by the way, by the, by the way, I can protest still, I can vote still, I can march still, but I'm going to pray for you in the, in the process. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that kind of really sat on my chest was that when coach destiny, like you talked about your players, and Coach Dosha, like, just having them be able to express themselves differently um, and having the ability to not always say things, but then as well as challenging. I think that is something that I've been seeing a lot with um, people that have come to me and it's like, well, we're tired and everyone's tired and this and that. I think 
to challenge the the white people and your white players is they they do need to face this and they do need to have an opinion i think um that this is me having an unpopular opinion right now but just having them have an opinion and having to understand how to express themselves and in really figuring out a way to express themselves because i i think it, it's super important um but th- but that was really just kind of what i have to say to that um ashton you can go ahead and and ask what you would like to. Yeah, no, um, this is really good. I, this it's, it's kind of leaving me speechless, but we've talked a lot about how you've talked with your players, your coworkers, with your family, your friends, but how have you personally taken this time and what are some things you're doing to equip yourself to handle it mentally and physically? Um, obviously we're in the heat of quarantine right now, but we're going to start going back to work and, I, I just want to know kind of how you guys are doing and what you've, tr- you've tried to do for yourselves. Um, I'll start. Uh, first, um, I was actually starting, and I know, I don't know if this question is going to come up later, um, but a lot of people that know me, um, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, I feel like in my household, um, we have a unique perspective. Um, I've been married, gosh, eight plus years. We've been together 12 years and my wife is white. So we feel like we have this. And the crazy thing is about a week and a half ago, we went to the beach and she started reading uh, White Fragility. Just, you know, we were taking her book. It had her book. I had my book. So this is before everything happened. So we were already kind of in that headspace to really dive into some racial issues just because that's what we do. And obviously then all of this happened. So it's been um, it's been, you know, great conversation for us, really just kind of having these two perspectives, literally two different views, completely two different worlds that we both grew up in. But I think it's it's been great for me. And then therapy, you know, I'm gonna be honest, you know, thank God for, you know, telemedicine. Um, I, I know there's a lot of people that are religious, not that like you're not praying, but I do think the, the religious talk around here, um, the religious talk around this is, this is the only thing that, that bothers me about it is we've been dealing with racism for centuries, 400 years. And I think all too often we do, I'm going to go pray about it. I'm going to put it on God. No, this is on us. Like this is on us as people. We can't keep saying, you yeah, definitely pray and he can pray and give us the words, but this is on us to have some action. And I think that's what, you know, I, I praying about the right words to say and the right ways to say it. But I think too often that's kind of the easy way. I'm just going to give it to God. No. God gave this to us and we need to deal with it. We, we need to deal with it and talk about it platforms like this and put ourselves in that space. So um, I think the other way that um, I, you know, this, I told them before that I think this is my eighth one um, this week on this topic. I'll take a break this weekend, um, but really trying to put some boundaries about it around it. But I think also just uh, continuing to educate myself as well, but therapy and then talking to my wife. Josh, I'm so glad that you said that part about the praying, because like I said, there's so much that we can do while we still pray. I feel, I feel, I feel the same way. It seems like a cop out, not a cop out, but it seems like the easier the thing to say, well, I'll just pray. And it's like, no, you pray, you pray for, for guidance and, and what to do next, you know, once you've prayed. And so, like I said, there's still so many things that we can and must do even while we pray. And so for me, it's just been a lot of conversations um, a lot of these, um, I've had, you know, talks with my niece and nephew, they're 11 and eight. I've had talk, talks with my parents, friends and things like that. And so, um, you know, reading, I, 
reading is a is a is a funny one for me because I feel like the the history books and trying to read up on what you know our our nation says about this issue you ain't gonna find but so much on it because it's been written by the oppressor you know our history and the truth behind what we're really trying to say you're not gonna find much on just being able to go read and so I feel like it's important again to have these difficult conversations have the conversation because that's where you're gonna get the mo the real you know, that's not where you're going to get the feeling. I don't get a feeling from a book. You know, I get it from these conversations. Um, and, and I also say I went out today. I told the ladies before I went out today and tried to find a protest and and I couldn't. I failed. My cousin and I failed. But we found one one white lady uh, on Independence Boulevard in Virginia Beach. And we 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 stood with her for an hour and a half. And what that did for me, I cannot tell you guys. It was just the three of us standing there and people honking and waving and thumbs up, some thumbs down, some other fingers too, but I was good with that, you know? And I think that was good for me to go out and to, and to feel that and to see that that love and that unity is still out there, you know? Um, and, and also I'll say this too, I've been doing this and I wanna encourage you guys too. Sometimes you gotta put the phone down, man. Sometimes you gotta get off of social media. I've had to do it so much because I find myself mumbling some stuff thinking some stuff that I, that I shouldn't, you know, really, if this is my stance, then I shouldn't be feeling that way. I shouldn't allow myself to, to feel that way. You know what I mean? I shouldn't allow myself to dwell and to be, and to, to turn angry and I'm trying to change it, but I'm becoming it. And that's because I'm doing too much of this. And yes, I love social media. It's been great for me. And, and I like to use that, that, um, that Avenue, but sometimes coaches, I'm telling you, put it down, walk away from it. Go take a walk, do what you need, do whatever you need to do to be, to bring yourself back. Um, but I've been doing a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would, I would piggyback off of that. And I would say to uh, make sure your cup stays full. And I say that in whatever way it means to you. So whatever it is that you do. So I'm somebody who likes to read. I do personal development every single day. I wake up and I listen to podcasts in the morning before I check my phone. Um, there's lots of podcasts out there. I listen to coaching podcasts. I listen to personal development just in general, like love podcasts, um, just to fill your mind up and fill your body up with what, what it needs. Because like she said, there's so many times when I've caught myself reading posts and listening and watching comments just go. And I'm just so disappointed, you know, like the emotion is disappointment. And in order to keep my cup full, to be able to pour into the team. And this is just not even about like, this is not just about the justice. We need to keep our cups full year round. So especially now, because there's lots of things happening that is draining us. There's things that are draining us much faster now. So I think a big priority in making sure that we keep ourselves accountable is to make sure that our head stays right, our heart stays right. So I am a believer in prayer and I, I pray for people that I come across on my timeline who just haven't got it yet. Like I pray for their hearts. So instead of trying, and I, I'm, work, I'm a work in progress, Jesus is working on me, but there are moments when I do feel angry. And instead of responding how I want to respond, I'll just say, I'll pray for you. And, and that's how I'm responding to people right now, because we also need to do, we need to make moves. Like us as coaches can't sit back and do hashtags and post this and post that. Like we need to be doing stuff. So whether that means you're researching, you need to, Google is your best friend. So if you're somebody who's like, I don't know where to start, Google, Google some stuff. I don't know what to do. Google some stuff. 
how can you donate? How can you donate to organizations who are around that support um, Black lives, whether it be NAACP, the Black Lives Matter does have a specific movement where you can donate. There's different places where you can donate to, to help the cause, but you also need to be doing your research so you can educate, because I feel like knowledge is power. And then the more you know, the better off you are. So Google some stuff, um, check your heart often, understand that you may not understand everything that's happening, nor do you agree with everything that's happening. But I think that's also something we should hit on. Like all of us, we need to talk about some situations in our lives that have happened um, that have been qualified to be injustice or racially profiled. Because I think everybody needs to know that this is real and this happens. And maybe if we can talk about some of our experiences, you guys will know not to do them if you have. Um, and I think that's something we should all address at some point, like as well, because I have quite a few stories to share. And I think it's really, really good and beneficial for us to at least mention so that you guys know it's real. Like we can speak till we're red and blue in the face, but until you hear some real stories of people, it may not hit you. So I think that's also something we should speak on. But all, all in all, you need to always be building your heart and your mind. Personal development books, I have quite a few um, that I've read that I love. And if you're somebody who's not a huge reader, but you want to become one, I'm happy to share those with you. So reach out to me, Twitter. Um, I'm happy to share what I know. So keep your heart full. Um, like she said, find a hobby, do something that you enjoy doing so you can put your phone down and just go chase your heart. And thanks to whoever's dropping some links in the, in the comments. That's great. Thank you. But yeah, coach boy, coach boy. Yes. Um, coach Ramsey, you can do the same thing. Um, Sorry, I just want to like interrupt for a second because um, we, if you guys want to leave your contacts, do things like that, you can do that as well um, because it is important to have have that resource and, and, and ask questions as well that prompts people outside of this, um, that that when this starts stirring inside them, they, they can come to us for that. Um, last but not least, uh, Destiny, thank you for the segue, actually. Um, I'm gonna share some something with you guys because I think the question was about how are we dealing with everything right now? Isn't that is that the question, Aaron or Ashton? Uh huh. Yep. Just how? Yep. So, um, hold on to your seats really quick. So, about eight years ago, on March 17th, me and my brother, who's as dark as me, taller than me, nice looking young man. Okay, and um, my really good friend. We walked up to an establishment. My uh, brother handed them his ID. It was thrown back to him. It was said that we people come down here and we cause too many issues. There were too many black people inside the establishment. My brother walks away. I walk behind him, give him my license. Everybody gets their license. There's a white guy with us who was my friend from high school. They took our ID, but my brother's walking away. So I was like, what's going on? Instantly the bouncer who is white instantly just starts yelling and screaming about those people causing issues, blah, blah, like literally just walked up, didn't cuss, didn't do anything. Uh, cop comes from around the corner, whistles his, his friends, eight cops come. They grab hold of my brother who was uh, walking away from the situation, didn't say anything, didn't do anything. They airlift my brother, slam him to the cobblestone and they beat the mess out of my brother in that street. Calling him outside of his name was words that we could probably come up with in our mind knowing the movies and the shows that we see and hopefully not the words that we say. They took their forearms and their knees and they beat my brother. I was trying to jump in, do all that I could. 
didn't have my phone, but my good friend had hers. I couldn't make sense of the situation because it just didn't make sense. We just walked up. As they beat my brother, uh, thank God there was cobblestone. So his face was actually in the crevice of a few different stones so he could breathe. Uh, they, after they arrested him, didn't read him as Miranda rights. They walked him to the side of the building as I was following because they were taking his money. They were taking the wallet, took the money out of it, threw his stuff on the ground, stole his watch, broke his glasses. As I was following my brother to pick up his things, I'm screaming because somehow my friend got a hold of my mom and I'm just screaming. Um, and I told my parents been married for 33 years, a black couple, beautiful couple. Uh, my dad served for 16 years. So I'm yelling, you know, the military is about to be down here, but no military was coming for us. I was walking too close to my brother. Officer Roberts turns around and tells me to get my black ass across the street. I didn't move quick enough. So three police officers come and tackle, fo like football tackle me to the other side of the street. Air lifted me, took me to the other side of the street, slammed me to the ground, arrested me without reading me my Miranda rights, kicked me, beat me, spit on me, made fun of me and told me to get up, called me outside of my name. As they yanked me up by my hair, came down my face and ripped my clothes. They walked me through the back of the facility to put me in a room where Officer Robert would try and rape me. Just to give you history, this oftentimes would happen during slavery. The women would be brought into the house and their bodies used. However, the master would want to use it. As my older brother, who has oftentimes been my protector in my life, sat on the steps and could not save me, my teammate tried to pick up his, uh, his cell phone, got too close. The same officer that initiated all of this beat her with a billy club in the street because she got too close. We were arrested. Two felony charges were put against me. Two felony charges were put against my good friend and two misdemeanors were put against my brother and quote unquote, we were dumb niggas that didn't know our rights. But come to find out we were educated. Come to find out we knew how to speak, write, talk and fight for ourselves. Not fully because justice still has not been served. Once we wrote our letters, oh, the verdict, oh, the narrative for sure changed. All of a sudden they were afraid of these big black girls and men that caused them to react in a way that they did. So all charges were dropped. So you ask me, what am I doing right now? I'm healing from a situation that justice was never seen, but I do believe that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You see, that's in Romans nine. And I believe that with my entire heart that I may not see justice here on this earth, but you know what I will see? I will see us come together. I will see a revolution and a reformation. On Sunday, we had a prayer protest here in Milwaukee where people of all colors came together, did this whole social dis distancing thing. And um, I think one of my teammates are on this right now. We went and um, a pastor talked about righteous anger. How biblically, when Jesus witnessed what was happening in the temple, he came in and he started flipping tables. Because what was happening in his father's house was not only inappropriate, but it was sinful, it was wrong and it needed to be addressed. So if you ask me what I'm doing now, I'm sitting in righteous anger because there is hatred that's hidden behind a word called racism that's flowing rapidly. It's implicit and it's explicit in how we recruit, 
how we treat people of color and how we stand for them or not stand. So what I'm doing right now is I'm working on healing because see, my family was tore apart that day. You know, as parents, you want to protect your children. My parents couldn't do that. I had just finished my bas- my senior year, a week after we had lost to Minnesota in the Big Ten tournament. Here we were being treated less than human, less than dogs in the street. To go back to a majority white university, the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and I love it. If I had to choose again today, I would go back. I met the closest people in my life there. But to be told that I need to make better decisions because some part of that story had to be told because my teammates still had another year to play. And the wounds on the back of her leg took two months to heal. She couldn't even participate in postseason workouts. So to my university, if anybody is there, we didn't make a choice to get beat that day. We didn't make a choice to be this color the same way you didn't make the choice to be your color. And each and every one of our colors is beautiful. It's beautiful. And there's purpose in the difference. This is how we grow different experience. I'm not saying racial experience is the experience that we need to have that's different, but our different mindsets, our different perspectives, man, our different beauty is exactly what we need to grow as people. So what I'm doing right now is figuring out how to still have this conversation with my father, who still doesn't know that I was brought to a back of a room to try and be raped. With my mother, who has to look in my face every day and she couldn't save me. With my brother, who's been in similar situations because, you know, he's a black man in America with my younger siblings who never knew the truth because they had to be protected so then they could still get their full scholarship to go play in college. Well, now they know. So I'm trying to heal. So these conversations that we're having, please know there's multiple cases that have never been told, never been told. And I have the blessing and I can stand on God and say this, that he spared my life. So I can be here to talk to you today because a year ago I wouldn't have been talking to you about this because of reputation a little bit of shame because I couldn't, I didn't do anything at that time, but live. And I'm realizing that, you know what? That might've just been good enough for that time. I'm sharing my testimony, not for you to feel sorry for me or to feel sorry for anybody else who has experienced anything close to it. I'm sharing my testimony because testimony changes. You see my face. Some of you know me. Did you know that? So now I'm hoping that through my healing, by expressing my hurt and pain, because healing always starts from the inside. If you can't talk about it, you can't discuss it and be transparent, you're most likely not healing. And that's something that I was holding on to for like seven years. But I hope that through my story, you begin to heal too and have some connection to the brutality that happens. This happens, you guys. Not just a few videos that we see of the people that are dying, which is horrendous and it's terrible, but it's probably people that you sit next to at work. So what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to heal and at the same time speak truth and act. Yeah, I was part of a protest today for three hours. It was excellent. When we were shouting, we went down to the police station. It was peaceful. We prayed. But we also are standing in righteous anger for a reason. And action is the only next step. So that's my two cents. What I'm doing. I hope you're all okay with that. Ooh, chills. Yes, Coach Ye, I love you so much. Um, just to, there, there isn't a way to follow that. Definitely not. Um, just focusing on, on healing and, and honoring that, and then moving forward in that. Um, 
this time I do want people to ask questions and to be vulnerable and just bring to light a lot of the different things that people are going through. So if you guys want to just start asking questions, we will go into that. I will also share a testimony too. Girl, you got me over here almost crying, man. Um, and I think it's important that we have these hard conversations because it happens so many times to so many different people. My, my experiences are different. Um, I didn't necessarily get, to get beat by the police or anything, but I want to show you guys and tell you guys maybe some experiences that I went through. Um, maybe you didn't know was wrong, but as a kid, I'll share a couple. As a kid, I was maybe seven or eight, and I was raised in a really good home, uh, married parents, and both of my parents are black. I often get asked, are you mixed? And I understand because I'm light-skinned, I get it. Um, I am mixed, black with black dark with a little bit of lighter. How about that? Um, but um, one thing that I experienced was I went down the street and I was one of the most social butterfly kids you can ever meet. I wanted to be friends with everybody. I just wanted to, to everybody needed to be Destiny's friend and I didn't care what they looked like, what they sounded like, how they walked. I, I wanted to be friends with special needs people. I just, I was that person. And I remember when I was maybe eight or nine, I walked down the street and I saw this girl playing outside in her backyard and it's literally on the same street as my house was. And I was like, can you play with me? And I was nine years old, you guys. So this wasn't that long ago, wasn't that long ago, um, still this century. And she ran into the house and then came back out and said, my mommy and daddy said, I can't play with you because you're black. And this was something that I experienced and I'm over here like, what the heck? Like, what do you what do you mean? At that point, I didn't even know. Like, I didn't know that I was black, but it was made very clear at that time. So I ran home and told my dad. And my dad is also somebody who's um, he's been a victim of police brutality. And I told him that story and he he tried to comfort me. And he was like, it's OK. Like, I understand. He was like some people you aren't going to be able to play with because of the color of your skin. And that was a lesson my dad had to teach his nine year old daughter. And that is unreal. That is ridiculous. That should not have to be a conversation that's had. A parent should not have to tell their kid, you might not be accepted everywhere because you're black. That shouldn't have to happen. That's one experience. Maybe some less, some other things that happened. In high school, I went to a college prep school. And that was one where I was surrounded by predominantly white people. My education was great. Athletics was great. But oftentimes I heard people say, you're the whitest black girl I know. That's not a compliment. I am perfectly okay with my blackness. I don't need you to tell me I'm the whitest black girl you know, because I, what's that mean? What is that supposed to mean? And if anybody has said it before, it's not a compliment. It doesn't feel good. Another thing people say is that I'm like an Oreo. Black on the outside, white on the inside. Does that mean that white is the only good? Does that mean that my blackness isn't enough so I have to be the whitest black girl? There's so many things that people don't understand. And then there's other things where I've heard good friends who I've said, um, you're my favorite white black girl. That's not a compliment either. But the crazy part is I heard it so often that I didn't realize how wrong it was until now. 
because now I, I was around it. So I got accustomed to it. So I thought that that was normal in order to fit in these groups in order to be a part of what everybody else was a part of. I had to hear that. I thought that was normal for people to say I'm the whitest black girl because I'm educated because I speak with intelligence because I have a nice fit. Like, what does that mean? So I just want to challenge you guys to think about what you say before you say it, because there's been situations that I've had to deal with that I didn't realize was a problem until now. And actually I realized it before now, but I, it's, it's still happening. I still have people that tell me that, that I don't act black. And I don't know if anybody else has heard that before, but how can you act a color? That doesn't happen. So if you're somebody who says you, or says something to somebody else where they act black or they act a color or there's black people who are very intelligent and knowledgeable. And there's also white people who aren't very intelligent and knowledgeable. So just because of my blackness, do not lessen my blackness because you feel like I am the whitest black girl because I don't even know what that means. But now I'm realizing that. Now I'm realizing that it's not right, but I had to get used to it because so many people said it to me. So be very cognizant of what you say to people because that's not a compliment. I'm okay with my blackness and I'm okay with the way I speak because I speak with intelligence. I'm okay, but you can just say that I'm black. You don't have to say I'm the whitest black girl. So those are a couple experiences that I went through that maybe you didn't realize it was wrong, but now you know. I was going to add to that, Destiny, I actually um, have an undergrad in English, so I definitely understand your story, uh, talk like a white girl or things like that. I, that was one I heard a lot, so I definitely can echo some of those same things. Oreo, I hear, um, I've heard a lot too, so I can sympathize with you with a lot of that because I think I think a lot of us, especially when, when all of this started, I think one of the hard parts were for me and, you know, I had my moments where I, I broke down, you know, we're leaking, where things got emotional. It's like, you talk about going back to school, I'm 41, and I just got my master's about three weeks ago, you know, from here at Tulane. So you can go back at any time. But I think it was a realization that, you know, the, the things and steps that you kind of go through to try to make yourself not necessarily, you know, like them, but you just try to check all these boxes for yourself. Okay, they said, if you work hard, they said, if you, you know, get an education, they said, if you do these things, then you're going to kind of get your seat at the table. And to realize that, like, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you a seat at the table. And I think sometimes people think because you're trying to put yourself in a position to get a seat at the table, that means you're taking their seat. No, just scoot over just a little bit. Just, just scoot over. Let me just, I'll stand up. I'll stand up here at the table, but just, you know, let us in the room. And I think that was the hard part for me and dealing with all of this kind of coming to the surface is, you know, you try to go through and things that you want to do for yourself. I've always, you know, enjoyed education and to realize that like at the end of the day, they just still be, they still see me as a black girl. And I think, you know, moving, moving, you know, past this or through this, you know, the, the education and conversation piece is so important. How I want to personally emerge out of this is to be a resource. You know, I said, obviously, I have an interracial relationship that I'm in, but be a resource. We can sit here and talk and, and kind of say, you know, 
oh, I want white people to mobilize or do these things, but you tell them, you know, the, the microaggressions, I saw somebody wrote that um, in a chat box, these little things where um, I've learned also through this is white people don't know what they don't know. So sometimes those comments is like, I'm trying to say it to be funny or everybody's going to laugh. It's not always funny. And, you know, you, you hear these comments and you kind of have to try to deflect them all the time or, you know, you just get tired of deflecting. Not that you start believing that, but you get tired of that as well. So I think, you know, through this, I want to be a resource, educate myself. There's a lot of these lists that's going around, ironically, that are for white people. I'm like, OK, I need to read that. I want to watch that myself. So um, I definitely echo a lot of what you said. And I think the more that we try to you know, educate ourselves and things like that is, is also um, important that we continue to have this conversation um, together so people know what hurts and what doesn't. Dosha, I fully agree with you. And, and I'm gonna say something that may sound offensive right now, but I need white people to get a clue. You're not blind. You're not blind at all. More of you are quote unquote educated than every other people group in this country. You're not blind. So you may not know what you don't know, but if you choose to see, if you choose not to acknowledge what you see when you see it, you got a heart issue. So I need white people in general, and I don't like speaking generally because I think that we all have different perspectives, but it's time to get a clue. It's not okay. For me to be the victim and be the savior. Think about that. It's not okay for me to be face down in the street with cops beating the mess out of me, calling me out my name, and also have to tell you how to react when you see injustice. Because you know how to react when you see injustice. So I don't want this conversation to feel helpless. Each and every one of us have power in this situation. We have power. So if you're taking notes, if something that we said meant something to you, that's what's up. But as I'm telling everybody that I talk to and that I know, we have to first self-reflect, look at ourselves and any up. It's time for all of us to level up in, in terms of love, in terms of acknowledging other people, and in terms of getting rid of our own bias, because we all got bias. But this whole systemic racism in our country, that was built to keep minorities down, particularly black people and Native Americans, if we put it where it is. And for white people to always have a leg up, it's an issue, it's in every sector of everything in this country, and it's time to get a clue. In my opinion, it's no longer okay to be like, oh, I didn't know. It's not okay. It's really not okay. We're seeing people die for years. I mean, we marched for the civil rights. We weren't even emancipated the year they said that we were emancipated. There are certain things that you see. So I don't want you to ever feel like you're helpless or that you're hopeless. I'm gonna challenge you to use your eyes and your ears and your heart and your mind and care about people outside of what you wanna see. That's, that's part of, I have a little issue in my, in my righteous anger. See, we wanna acknowledge what we wanna acknowledge when it benefits us. But will you acknowledge truth when it don't benefit you? Will you be able to sit in this discomfort when it gets too uncomfortable for you? Will you choose to acknowledge injustice and not expect a pat on the back? I had this conversation the other day. I should not have to pat you on the back for doing what's right. 
As a head coach, you should want to call your team together and have a discussion. Because, see, we discussed the pipeline for Native Americans, which we should have. We discussed all kinds of things. I don't have to list, list things. Y'all know what we discussed. And if this is an issue that you believe is an issue, then you should not need to have a pat on your back and a compliment sandwich to do the right thing. It's time to be people and to be united and to get a clue and not make excuses. Forget the excuses. It's time to walk in it. So, so if you're offended, I am not apologizing. If you want to talk more about it, let's do it. Please know that what I'm saying is out of love. But I challenge my players each and every day to be better, each and every day to acknowledge the people that are next to them. And that is not just on the basketball court and where they want to catch the ball and how they like to, to pass it. You got to see each other for real. I need y'all to see me for real. I share with you the intimate part of my life. Can you see me better? But even if you, if it, even if I didn't share that, even if I didn't share that, you see some of the stuff that's going on. You've probably been a part of it. Your mom or your daddy didn't say something. You've been around your friends where they didn't say something. You're going to make a decision now if you're going to be a part of the change or part of the, part of the problem because there is no gray, no gray area. Ain't no 50 shades and none of that. You're either a part of the problem or you're a part of the solution. Your eyes are open. You do see color. That's a beautiful thing. But now it's time, y'all. It's time to take those steps. Yeah. All right. I think that's beautiful that you guys are willing to share your story. And I hope that we all feel and see that, you know, people, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't, it doesn't happen anywhere near me, or I don't know anyone that those things have happened to. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you don't even realize half the time, but here we are with people at our table at the same table as us in the same profession and going through the same things as us. And here they are sharing these things. And I will, I will, uh, I will, I'll second that we cannot, we, White people, you can no longer practice nimbyism. And that's, it ain't my backyard. It, it, I don't know anybody. It didn't happen to me because you know it is here, it's in your face. You've seen it now. And so we need you. I, I don't want to offend, but white people, we need you to, to speak up. We need you to do more. And I say that because you're the majority. You're the majority. And so you have right now, you have the power, plain and simple, you do. And so here we are as minorities trying to speak up and, and, and say things in, in the nation. And, and we're seen as we don't care what you have to say anyways. So they're not really, really feeling us because they don't care what we have to say. So you do because you are the majority, because you have the power, because you have that white privilege. And so this will be an issue. This will be a cause, honestly, if we're being real, until white people stop caring about it. Honestly, it'll be, it'll be an issue until white people say, um, you know, I know more hashtags and I'm, I'm done with it. Let's move on to something else. But if you guys continually to make at, put, put, put some action towards your words and, and, and side with and make us make a stand and, and want to be about some change, then we'll start to get somewhere. We'll start to turn the tide a little bit. But black people, we have to continue to put it in their face. We have to continue to make it known. We, we can't just say, oh, well, they don't hear us, you know, whatever, and we, and we fall apart at that part. They, if they don't know, they don't know, like we said. So it's our duty to then make it known, to make them feel it, to make them hear us. And, I'm, and again, white people, and I hate to say white people, 
but it is, it's the truth. We need you now to be about some action. You've sat here and you've heard the stories. People who, colleagues right here, you might see them on a recruiting trail and they've, they felt it, they've experienced it themselves. So stop turning a blind eye. I beg you, we need you to. You need you to. Your kids need you to. Yeah. Oh, sorry. oh no, go ahead. No. I was just saying, one of Lauren's last point, I just wanted to say that all of our decisions are affecting the young people that we're committed to serve. So silence and apathy are affecting your players of color that you may or may not recruit. And I say that for this reason. We have the power as coaches. If you're at a school that has scholarships, um, we have the power to decide who we offer scholarships to. And if you have implicit bias, there's going to be implicit bias in how you recruit. There's going to be implicit bias on how you hire. And this goes now back to we are coaches in our, you know, our profession is coaching. And um, the cultures that we built, if there's implicit bias, if there's silence and apathy in your own life towards this, or I, I don't see color or, you know, whatever our things are, you are hindering the young people that you committed to serve. And I wanna bring that to the forefront because I believe that in women's basketball, we have an issue. We have an issue. And it's because of, of the system we've been brought up in in this country. And I'm just give you a few examples because this is a passion of mine. This is something that I want to correct, okay? When you hear athletic, I've already done the poll, so I'm just gonna say what it is. We oftentimes think of people of color right? Where there's some people that don't equate athleticism and natural ability with IQ. And you can only win a championship with IQ. So if I were to put color on this, people of color are athletic. White people have more IQ because they're not as athletic. So I recruit more people that have the IQ to win me the championship, which oftentimes in some areas, people of color aren't getting the type of scholarships and type of looks and type of resources because they don't fit that mold. I'm going to give you an example that I have lived that I have lived. Be careful with your use of this term laziness because see, that's oftentimes implied on people that have a ton of talent and maybe they're not using all of it because they don't have to work as hard as baby girl over here that has to work hard to even be noticed. Be careful with that. As I'm telling you from experience, when I was being recruited and I was number five power forward in the nation in the class of 08, I was highly recruited by just about everybody. Gino did not call me and he did a pet summit, but I did have to, I, I was able to talk to her two years later about that. Okay. But the point of that matter was I got to the school that I went to. I came in with two other black young ladies and a white teammate, love Jamie so much. And I was referred to as a, as a rare one that has IQ. If you read in between those lines and that's because I was a black person that had IQ and I was rare. And because of that, Many people weren't offered scholarships because IQ in that program won. I'm giving this example. If you can't follow me, give me a call. But our implicit bias, our overlooking of things is affecting our future, the future that's coming up after us. So I think that it is, if you don't have reason enough to do it for anybody else that you know, to look, enter, and to see if there's anything within you or anyone in your circle, in your staff, then at least do due diligence for those that you could possibly be recruiting so they will have a fair shot 
and being great and possibly having an opportunity that could change your life. Um, just with all of that being said, um, we do want to be aware of time and our guests, um, just being able to share this, but just moving forward, um, for, for, for the white people, I will say this coming from, from me, um, to you guys, different ways of what you can do that question. Um, when you vote, think of this conversation, when you donate, think of this conversation, um, the way you educate yourself and others think of this conversation, um, just the way you listen and you learn and contribute to the rest of the world, listen to this conversation and, and replay it to yourself. Cause I know I will. So, um, yeah, that's all I have to say. I think I saw there was a couple people that had questions. So if you're somebody who has a question, I challenge you to unmute yourself and ask it. I don't know that I have a question, um, more than anything, but Anya, I want you to know I wasn't offended at all when you said get a clue. You know, I know that that could probably have been interpreted that way. Um, but I just had a conversation, I think, with my mother and some of our male family members that are close to us, you know, and her and I kept telling them, like, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. You know, and that reminded me of that, like, you know, even with our close family members, those conversations are going to be hard. The people that you love the most that are closest with you that you spend every single day with. You know, that's, you know, I think that our team conversations will be tough, but the people that you're closest with that, you know, have different viewpoints or things like that. And you can't be afraid to, to tell them to get a clue, <laughs> to tell them to wake up. Yep. I'm fully prepared to lose people during all this. And that is something that I'm okay with family, friends, cousins, sisters, brothers, people I've been friends with for years. I'm fully prepared to cut people off. And good for you. Good for you, Sam. Stay strong in that. Keep fighting for us. We need you. And Sam, I'm glad you said something. Destiny, I agree. Yo, standing up for the right thing sometimes you might be, it might mean you stand alone. And it might mean you're not received. So your relationships could turn sour. And it is a fight that it's going to affect you in all kinds of ways. So thank you for what you said. Appreciate it. And thank you, Destiny. Be bold, you guys. This is your chance. Be bold. We're ready for the hard questions. Oh. We said this from the beginning. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually a guest on this uh, call. I'm Anya Covington's my, former teammate, teammate and she's one of my, my best friends. Yeah, I was a point guard in college and I love Anya dearly. And just to be able to sit on this has been a, fresh of, uh, a breath of fresh air. So I just want to thank everybody like I'm learning so much and um, I'm, I still play. I play over in Italy. So I've been overseas for 10 years. And this last summer I went to what's called uh, peace players uh, basketball camp in Israel. And it was between the Palestinian people and the Jerusalem people. And they're in a civil war for the last how many ever years. And it was eye opening to see how there's a, a professor from the university of Hawaii who's really passionate about reconciliation between races and to see him kind of step into space and create activities and uh, imp implementing not only basketball skills, but also environments where people could be appreciated and people could be heard. 
I think that was really helpful to see. That's something that I'm going to take back on my team. As a point guard, I'm one of the leaders on the team. And to try to keep this conversation going and to see, I guess, to see change, like starting as a leader with my team and creating space where uh, space where things can be safe, people can know they're loved, um, giving kind of opportunity for transparency and being willing to sit through and listen to and support hard conversations. And I think one of the the things that was really eye-opening seeing the fruit that came out of the reconciliation that they did was they were really, they're really culture changers there. They're, the kids are 15 to 18 years old and they walk in the middle of Jerusalem and a lot of people are shocked that there's so much unity between them. So it, gave, it gives me hope. This conversation gives me hope. Um, just seeing people that are willing to step into hard space gives me a lot of hope and just, I'm, I'm thankful, I guess. I just wanted to say thank you more than have a question. And like, I'm, I'm gonna be serious as a teammate about creating opportunities for, I play in Italy, Italian players, African-American players, uh, white American players to come and try to create a culture where everybody can feel safe, loved and thrive on and off the court. So I guess th just thank you for this pod, this, this call. Amazing. Keep the good fight. Tyler, you can unmute yourself. You don't have to raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't know. Um, well, uh, first and foremost, I want to say uh, from, from y'all, like, thank you so much for speaking out and telling us about your story and all. Um, actually, I was just going to like shout out to Lauren. Lauren, I'm actually, uh, I coach over at Somerville High School. Um, and um, I actually am a second grade teacher as well. But the one thing that has frustrated me for the longest time um, I grew up in an area that there was not a lot of different um, ethnicities and so forth. Um, but then I decided to take that leap of faith and I decided to move away. I'm from Ohio, moved to a, um, I went to BGSU and it was a great a learning experience. But especially like seeing the different things that move on, it just drives me insane when I see someone who reacts to your color of skin. It, it, I, I go, I, I keep myself as, as calm as possible. But like, for example, um, it's amazing to see how people try to not say anything and then you say something and then they get offended. It's like, look, I don't care if you get offended or not. You can't judge someone based upon that. And I, well, I say that because you, it happens even in elementary. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing to see some kids and see how they react because they've been taught a certain way and, or they just have not been taught at all. And they haven't been opposed, uh, you know, exposed to it enough. And all I say to that is, is that I'm, I'm with you all. I'm, I'm here to help however I can. And it's, it's something I want to do with my elementary kids as much as I can do, as well as my high school kids and so forth, is to help out as much as possible. So I just wanted to say thank you so much. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. If anybody has anything else, feel quick, free. If I can just say something real quick. So I'm married to Dosha, so... Hi. <laughs> um, oh, so we've had lots and lots of conversations. I see former players on here and, and things like that, um, friends. But um, to my white friends out there, the things that I'm learning, we've been in a relationship for 12 years. And what I'm learning is I'm very much an amateur at this. Start where you are. Get with your people that don't look like you really listen to them and what 
our conversations in our house have been a lot of is that one way that we as white people can help is we can get to the people that have that seat at the table. Because if it, if I, as a white person can talk to, whether it's a white male, a head coach that's white, that's a female, whoever, and I can get to that person, then we can actually start to have these conversations to get our, our brown people at the table. But that might be one way. If you don't know where to start, it's just talking to your other white friends, your white family. Um, if you want to talk to me, <laughs> I've got a little head start on some of it, I feel like, over the last few weeks at least. Um, but we've got to figure out how it's not just white people at the table making the decisions for all. And I will echo um, just the importance of that. Um, once again, this whole um, what can we do that's being asked to our um, Black friends and, and the people in our circles, um, even just speaking to to people in their circles, have people in your circle that don't look like you and don't come from the same places as you. And um, a few, um, our call last week with um, Coach Patterson from CMO, she talks about um, her board of directors. Um, your board of directors is extremely important and you, um, you, you just have to be able to have that, that diversity and you have to have that different perspective because in a different perspective that that hits differently than just, okay, yeah, like, I, I guess I can see that. So, so just echoing everything um, that you, that you have to say, definitely. Uh, um, uh, oh, sorry. sorry Good. Go um, first of all, I want to say thank you, Destiny, uh, Dosha, and and I. I don't I don't know the two of you, but I know Dosha. Um, I'm Shelly Sheets. I'm an assistant coach at Loyola. Um, been an assistant coach for 19 years, but um, this time has been. I'm a very I'm an extrovert. You wouldn't know it talking on this, but um, I'm really. I have a lot of insecurities that um, come out in different ways that I cover up when I'm a, as an assistant coach in my element. Um, but I understand that I don't understand. And so what I'm doing now is educating myself through this. And that's where I'm starting. And the first thing that I wanted to do is reach out to our players. And I think that's the biggest struggle I have right now is being alone. Um, and because I am an extrovert on the court and with my team, like I, I miss my players. I miss that connection with them. And so that's my biggest struggle right now. I want to be on a Zoom with them every day. They don't want to be on a Zoom with me every day. I get it. So I'm educating myself as much as I can, but I understand. I do not understand. And so I'm here to listen. I see you and I'm here to stand with you, um, you know, through this. But I just want to say thank you so much for, you know, the three of you guys giving your testimony. Um, I'm with Sam. Sam, I don't know you, but um, our paths have crossed. Um, but I, I, I did what, what Sam said as well. So thank you. Coach, I'll just, before I get into mine, uh, that's awesome that you said, I understand that I don't understand. And like we've been saying, that's okay. Um, before we got on, I thanked Aaron and Ashton because 
usually if you've done if you've been a part of the women in sports they usually kind of have um, a list of questions that they kind of want to ask and we get to and and that was the intention I think from them originally and then they came to us a few days ago and they said ladies as white women we don't really know what to say we don't really know the questions to ask and I just gave kudos to them we gave kudos kudos to them because just saying I don't know and reaching out and looking for another resource, that's that's a start. There's power in that. And so, Coach, I, I think for you, you're saying, I don't understand, but you're here. And so that's action. And so we appreciate that. Um, I want to challenge us as coaches. Um, Aaron, you were talking about diversity. We need more diversity amongst our teams, period. Um, for some of us, for the ones who recruit, so we're talking about more college. You know, college is – for some of our players, the only time they'll ever experience someone outside of their race, their ethnicity, their um, political beliefs, their religious beliefs, it's the only time they ever will. And it's the only time they ever have coming up to that. And so we need to celebrate that more. We need to put them more in those positions. But then also we need to celebrate each other's cultures and each other's races. Um, I thought it was so powerful my freshman year in college. We went to, uh, we were down in the area. We went to, um, we went to uh, the uh, MLK Memorial. And, and it was like, that's great. Some of us, you're black. Most of us are black. It was HBCU. And some of us have never even been there before. You know what I mean? Um, I had a, I had a, te a teammate um, when I transferred. She was from the Netherlands. There was a holiday. I can't even remember what holiday it was. But we recognized it for her and we celebrated it. She actually cooked a meal and we, and we had it in the dorms. And that was huge. We sat there and we talked and we're like, y'all do what over there? Yeah. And she's like, y'all do what over here? You know, and that was the only time that some of us ever sat and we talked and we discussed our differences. We discussed our diversity. And so we have to do a better job. I think it's great that we add more diversity to our teams because again, if we don't, honestly, we're doing them a disservice when they leave us. Because when they leave us, you know, the, the, the bubble bursts. And they're introduced, they're thrown into this world. And so if we don't do our best, if we don't do our job to adequately, adequately prepare them, we're doing them and the world a disservice. So celebrate our differences as coaches. You know, if you, if you cut a practice short and you guys go watch a, a video on, on whatever the cause may be or whatever the celebration may be, they'll get more out of that. And, you're, you're, and your locker room will be better for it. Your locker room will be better for it. Yeah, I'll speak, I'll speak to it from a, a player perspective in a way, because this was something I went through when I was going through the recruiting process. I know that if I go on a visit and I look at the team and there's one or two of me, I'm good. Because at the end of the day, I want to make sure I'm on a diverse team personally. So if you're somebody who's recruiting, you need to make sure you're looking for diversity because I know it's easy to recruit the people you're used to recruiting. And maybe it's, you're like, well, I don't know about their family and this and this give people a chance because for somebody like, like me who, who wants diversity and who needs that on her next team, she goes on a visit and there's only one or two. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why, why, or none. There's been times when I've went on visits and there's zero black people on the team, which is fine. But as somebody who is black, I need to make sure that I'm good. And you know, at this point, there's so much question and who I can trust because that's one of the other things. It's like, I, I, I've had a really bad problem and my significant other 
And my dad has always told me that I give people the benefit of the doubt too much. And I don't really like to say that because I like to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time, but then it bites me. So I'm in a place where it's like, it's hard to know who to trust. So as a, a colored player, she wants to see other people that look like her. So think about that when you're recruiting, because it may start with one, like maybe you're like, Hey, look, I'm in the process of rebuilding. And I think it's huge that you say that. Like, cause if there's, if there's a black person on your campus, the elephant in the room is that there's nobody around them or very few that look like them. So say it as a, as a coach, it's your job to say, I know what you may be thinking. I'm in the process of recruiting some new kids, some new life, some, some color, whatever that looks like, but make sure you, you, you clear out the elephant in the room and tell these people that maybe that's not what it looks like right now, but it's going to be because you're going to make it a priority. You're the coach. You get to control that. So do your due diligence and go different places and see different things. And some of you may say, well, where I'm at, there's not a whole lot of diversity. Go somewhere else. If you're in an area where there's not a lot of black people or people that don't look like you, travel to recruit. Go look in some different places. I'm telling you guys, we need to have, we need to give these people and us more opportunities because we can impress, we can impress, we can show you what we're made of. And I hate that I have to sound like I'm trying to fight over my white counterparts when it comes to athletics, but we have just as much knowledge and good in us as the next person. So go out of your way to look for us. Go out of your way to look for us. I'm saying that from a player perspective because now I'm a coach and now I'm on that end. So go out of your way to look for those people who need an opportunity. Maybe you're their hope to get an education, the first person in their family. So challenge yourself to look where maybe you gotta go somewhere else, but that's okay too. And Shelly, shout out to you for being a okay. Like that is fantastic. I wanna say, first of all, there will be moments where you're alone. And it may feel lonely and scary and you don't know what to do, but just know that you're not alone in feeling alone. So continue to fight for that. Well, Destiny, I haven't met a white person that knows everything about what black people are going through. So, you know, if, if a white person out there thinks that they do, yeah, check themselves at the door. Um, I'm, just, I'm just, just saying that. I mean... We're, we're all in the business of learning and we need to learn about each other. And I tell you what, I love and respect uh, everybody in, uh, you know, white, black, gay, straight. Hey, it comes from the heart and it's love and, and respect. And yeah, thank you. Thank you all for tonight. It's, it's been, it's been great. I, I appreciate every one of you guys. Right back at you. Thank you, Shelly. I, I got to add something. I just have to, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry, but okay. Um, to Destiny's point, I know that there are systems and certain players fit your system, but I do want to say this. I don't want anyone to feel like they should recruit people that they don't feel like they can coach. And this is what I'm saying. If you bring diversity in and you have implicit bias or stigmas or you haven't, right, you haven't done what you need to do in your own heart to be able to coach that player and who they are, then please don't recruit them. Please don't lie to the recruiting process and bring them in because they're going to be ostracized and they're going to be worse off than if they had less opportunity. And I want to be clear, people of color can hoop, all right? I ain't seen no Division I championship without a person of color on the team. We can play, all right? We actually elevated the game once we were allowed to play the game. 
So I want to be clear on that. The GOAT of all time is Michael Jordan. As I, I used to say LeBron James, but watching The Last Dance is Michael Jordan for show. All right? So I just want to be clear on that. If you don't have the capacity right now, which in my opinion, shame on you, to be able to coach people of different backgrounds and experience, then work on you first. Get people around you, they'll be able to do it. But don't settle for just that. Don't settle for just bringing in someone because I've been a part of those situations. I'm going to get my token Black person that can relate and recruit. But then I'm going to be over here doing what I want to do and taking racism when I want to take it in and disregard it when I don't want to take it in and coach how I want to coach and give more, you know, and, and have more empathy towards those that look like me and then get really angry when somebody over here doesn't look like me messes up. I've experienced it. I've been on coaching staffs that have done that. So if you don't have the capacity, do better. Annie up, answer the call. Because as leaders, we don't have the right to be biased. We have the right to lead all people. So I want to throw that out there too. All right. I have something to add. Um, Go ahead. Everybody who was on the panel, thank you so much um, for sharing your story. Um, that, that was great hearing y'all's story. And it's like, wow, like people that are coaches, people are on staff, you know, go through the same things, um, you know, that we see on social media, we see on videos. It's like, wow, like we could be on that video. That 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 was eye-opening for me. Um, but one thing, like you just said, coach, like it, it's part of our, it's our responsibility as leaders. Um, I think it's, it's comical seeing all these coaches and these um, these leaders speaking up about racism and they're saying that they're losing followers. And I'm like, one, who cares? Two, you should already been losing followers because you, you should, if you're in a, a place of leadership, you should already be different. You should already be, and it doesn't have to be a racism thinking, just be like, you know, you might not drink as much as your family drinks and they might look at you like you're, you know, any type of example, you should all, as a leader, you should be setting the example regardless of what it is. So um, I just think that, you know, if you're going to be leading people, you, you got to find some courage. Like you, you can't go on and put your polo on as a coach and think that's, that automatically makes you something that you aren't. It has to be from within. Um, so if, if you don't have the courage to stand up for what's right, then you don't have the courage to, to, be called coach like it I mean it's just it's just as simple as leaders you got to stand up for everybody um and and even myself you know I, I've been on like you know not all white people are like I've been kind of that because I want to make sure I'm representing everybody so that's just what you have to do as a leader um and if you're not willing to kind of like walk alone and at the end of the day you're, you're not really alone because there are plenty of people that are experiencing the same thing as you that are in the position that you that are you that you are in and that you could kind of lean on or whatever the case may be but leadership is lonely regardless it doesn't matter what color you are like leadership is lonely so if you're gonna sign up to be a leader you got to sign up to 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 do what's right and that's in any aspect um racism not racism seeing somebody throw something on a track doing throw some trash on the ground whatever it may be you got to be courageous if you're gonna be a leader That's all I got, y'all. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Coach Boy. How y'all doing? I'm Olivia Grayson. I work with Woods. Um, I also play for FI. Um, 
the one thing that I keep hearing everyone say is how important the conversation piece is, and I agree, but I also think that there are certain action steps that we have to take too. Um, and I want to share two action steps that um, we're going to be doing with our team is one, making sure that they're all registered to vote. Um, and that includes making sure that they're able to send in their absentee ballot. Um, and secondly is we all have a community service piece with our teams. So using that community service piece to continue these conversations and to actually um, support the organizations that have been fighting this fight for a long time. So I would challenge y'all to find a local organization that is fighting the social injustices um, that we experience every day. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, I, for, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That was, I literally just thought about that today, um, being a former division one and then went division two how big um, the community service aspect, that was that was a big reason why I um, transferred. And, and for us to now thinking about the relationship I have with my coach, um, being able to go back and talk to her about that that thing um, that you just said is, is yeah, thank you for, for sharing that for sure. Erin, I wanted to add one thing too. Um, you know, as we get ready for our seasons, we have our like here, I think we've had three in a row now, um, Pride Nights here at uh, Tulane, or we'd have our different theme nights. Um, February, we all know is Black History Month. And I remember when I was a player at Western Illinois, we were playing at Chicago State. I think only in time we had maybe three or four Black girls on the team. Uh, three of us actually now, I'm thinking about it. But we get up there, we played it in February, and um, they told us on a rundown sheet, okay, we got two anthems. We have the Black National Anthem, and then we have the anthems. And so, of course, all the white girls are like, well, what, what? So it's like they don't know the stand up, sit down. So we win the game and the whole bus ride back or literally the whole locker room was like, what What was that? Of course, we didn't have cell phones back then. But as soon as we got, got back to campus, everybody had a chance to kind of explain, look it up, look up the lyrics, talk about it. It was a great conversation piece. And I say that, you know, you have these games in February. Don't just pick one game. You know, you some of us, if you have two or three games, make it an initiative where you can either talk about certain aspects and keep the conversation going. I think it has so much momentum we don't want to lose it but think about that ways to get with your marketing team or just ways that you can kind of expand that way the other thing that we haven't been able to do here at Tulane because we don't have a, a fraternity sorority like here on campus um but you know have a have a step show at halftime just kind of bring some of that culture in there but use that time around February not to just because everybody knows I mean if I see another Dr. Martin Luther King quote right now like he's the only black person that exists period. It's kind of how we learn in school. So use that time to educate in literally different different parts of, of just the Black culture and, and Blackness. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm Destiny's coach uh, at Illinois Central College. I jumped in on the call late, but um, she just texted me and said I should share this idea. So we had talked, um, we talked originally last week, um, and then my other assistant coach said, you know, um, for our cancer games, we take pledges or we donate to um, different cancer cancer funds. We could we're looking at maybe having a unity game or a Black Lives Matter game or something where we're um, donating the the concessions or the admission gate or whatever to a scholarship fund or something for our college or students of color. So that's something. And I had breast cancer two years ago. So and when I kind of think about um, 
you know, who, who started that back for, for breast cancer awareness? It was um, Susan Komen, her sister started that and, and people for Kay Yao, um, it wasn't Kay Yao that did the, did the organizing. It was people who loved, who loved them, who had that. So I think this is just a call to, to all of, uh, all the, the white people too. And I know we've heard this before, but, um, you know, our voices are much stronger, um, than we realize. And, you know, to destiny, I've known her since 20, I think 14, when I started recruiting her and last week was the first time that we had, we had really talked about this and, it gave her chills when we started talking about it and it's it's prompted me to contact other alumni that I've had and they've all, everyone's been willing to talk about it. Um, so I appreciate everyone's stories. I'm, I'm gonna go back and listen to the beginning that I missed, but I think if, you know, we're only a small junior college in Illinois, but if we, we get it started here, who knows, the idea can catch on and I think that's what we need. Yeah, you guys, I'll add this because she called me um, she called me out of the blue and was like, I have an idea. And this is what we need. Like we need coaches who aren't afraid to speak out, who aren't afraid to do things that are different. Um, it was something for me that I was, I was like, I don't know why I had never thought about something like that because it's so easy for us to do pink games. And by all means, it's so easy for us to do cancer games. It's so easy for us to do these different awareness games. But why can't we do a, a, an equality game or a, a Black Lives Matter game to be even more specific? And the fact that she's willing to do that. And I'm like, you're probably going to lose some fans. But I was like, but that's OK, because the people who you want to be around and supporting you as a basketball program should want to fight for equality. And I think that's huge that she is a head coach and she says a small town in Illinois. I mean, we're our our team is usually top five every single year in JUCO D two. So she's humbly speaking, but I mean, there's a, a there's a name and a weight behind Illinois Central College, and for her to say that we want to do a Black Lives Matter game and the concept would be everybody wears black and the maybe a, a police officer who's black would come in and speak at halftime or something like that where you have people of mm -hmm. power who can come in and speak at your game, but why not? Like, why can we do breast cancer awareness games? And why can we do these types of awareness games, but we can't humble ourselves to do a Black Lives Matter game or an equality game if you can't do Black Lives Matter. I just think it's awesome. And the fact that she called me like, I'm doing this, said a lot. Like she didn't need my approval. She didn't, she was just like, do you, do you think that's a good idea? And I'm like, absolutely. So she's somebody who's white, who literally thought of that on her own. So what are we doing to make sure we, we are pushing the envelope even further in these moments? And I told her maybe do that during a Black History Month in February when it's real high, where every, every game, everybody has a whole bunch of games. I think that's phenomenal, you guys. So do those things, be different. Dare to be different, I think is the biggest thing that you can do right now for the rest of however long we're coaching. It's dare to be different, be different. That's awesome. Um, I think it's, I don't know who I just interrupted. I'm sorry. So sorry. No, it's me. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> um, I would say we're, we're thinking, you know, long-term and that's great. And we're thinking about games and things like that. But I think it's important for us to continue to remember to check on our athletes during this time. Um, let it not be just a one conversation, maybe a two conversation. Definitely don't let it just be a group conversation, but check on them individually to think that our players are going to come back 
after this the same person as they left. I think we'd be a little naive. Um, some may, but some probably will not. They will come back thinking differently of um, the people around them, thinking differently of the world, um, having different viewpoints. And so to wait until, you know, whenever they come back, we don't know what that is, but to wait until they come back to then, to then kind of address it and kind of see where they're at and see where they're feeling, it might be too late. We may have lost them by then. We might not have the same effect that we would have now. So I would encourage you guys to continue this. Don't let it just be a one or two time thing that you, you talk to your players with and don't let it just be a group thing, but check on them individually. Check on them individually. Lauren, I would agree with you. An analogy I've been using is to only talk about this for two weeks and never mention it. It's like putting a Band-Aid on an open wound, which causes an infection. All right. So if you really want to heal, it takes a lot of internal work and a lot of consistency. But my last little point in terms of tangible solutions and action steps, um, how does your campus deal with quote unquote diversity? Um, are there two led organizations that they can go and have a safe space to discuss certain things? Now, I tried and failed in a sense last year to start an organization called We Woke. And it was supposed to unite people of all different races and, and, and backgrounds to have a safe, we, I didn't call it a safe space, we called it a brave space. Had a leadership team, blah, blah, blah. Um, I realized that if it didn't come from the student athletes and something like that, or the students, because we actually opened it, I had student athletes as a leadership team, but we opened it for the whole campus. But if they weren't the backbone of it, if they didn't see the need to keep it going, then it won't. And so that was a part of our conversation with our hand, we, we had with our team today. But how many opportunities do they have on campus to have brave spaces? Because I, I think safe is a term we should almost throw out. But a brave space where we can courageously talk about our stories, courageously be who we are. And it may be offensive, but we say in a way that can be received without losing the truth. But do you have spaces like that on your campus? Do you have organizations? Um, have you encouraged some of your students to step up um, in those areas to create those type of organizations or safe spaces that they can be. So just an idea. I know other campuses have, have done. I was inspired by uh, Coach Shimmy Gray when I went to the Final Four two years ago, and she talked about what they did on Wednesdays. Um, and, like, coaches help lead and facilitate, like, hundreds of students. And they was out there acting and doing all kinds of stuff. It was amazing. But they got to tears in the heart of issues, and it was awesome. So there's other campuses that have been successful with it. I think I, you know, kind of failed in a sense. We did try. But it also was a failed attempt that I think some student athletes are going to pick up and run with um, going forward into this year. So just a, another tangible thing in terms of action steps that we could look at. And also, what type of training are you all doing as a staff or your coaches? Is there something for coaches to come and have a brave space to discuss diversity and how they're feeling and where they're at so we can grow as people? Because remember, we're humans before we're our types. I think even that, too, something that I myself has challenged just looking forward Um is not just celebrating Black History Month one month and not just celebrating and learning about Black History just one month. I feel like we only, it's like 28 days, the shortest um, shortest month of the year. And I you only learn about a handful of people and, and not the, um, the real deepness and the, the, the layers that, that go with that. So, so even just, just that's my, my, that's my piece on that one too. Would anybody else like to share? Feel free. If not, um, let's go ahead. We can uh, put our contact information in the, um, I also apologize, I'm on my phone, so I don't have the same screen that I'm used to. 
um, with being able to see questions and hands raised. Um, but if anybody has um, contact information they want to drop or questions, um, I know I'm um, would would love to talk with people that need to. I know obviously our our guests are are more than willing as well. But um, just to to be respectful of of their time and in their evenings. Um, if anybody else um, has anything to just go ahead and share that. Well, if uh, nobody has anything else to share, I just want to first thank our four wonderful coaches. And I think Coach Covington put it best. Like if someone says I'm a coach first, I've failed and we're humans and we we are called to be better and do more and listen more. So I think this is a step in the right direction, having these conversations. But like all the coaches express, like there's so much more to be done. So take this as a first step and continue to make that action. So thank you all for joining. Um, and we'll keep it up so you can get their contact info. But really, thank you, Coach Woods and Coach Lauren and Coach Destiny and Coach Covington. Like you guys are great. And I know I learned a lot. And now I have the tools that I need to continue to make those action steps. So thank you. I'm so happy that we did this and I'm just very grateful for you guys who have hung around. Um, it's been two hours now, but I think that's to speak to, I guess, how important this conversation is and I guess how long we can talk about it. I mean, we probably could go all night if we had the energy for it, but I genuinely appreciate you guys for being on here. And I am somebody who's made it a priority to be a bridge. So if you have any questions or if you have any, if you want to learn, if you want to talk, if whatever it is, I'm totally okay. If you guys call me, text me, whatever that looks like, follow me on Twitter. We can keep in touch, but I think it's really important that we, we stick together. I mean, we're in this together and it's going to take a village to fix this problem. So I hope that you guys are all in it for a long run with us. Cause we're not going nowhere. I agree I with that. Aaron, thank you guys. Thank you. I did it again. So I did it again. I'm Lauren, sorry. I keep telling you. You better go Aspen ahead. And Aaron, thank you all so much for, for creating this uh, this opportunity for us, this platform for us. Um, you guys are doing amazing things. If you guys aren't following Ashton and Aaron and, and pretty much everything they're doing, you're tripping because they're doing it right. They're doing it right, I promise you, in so many areas. So thank you guys for that. And everybody who's here, just thank you. I, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, you're here because you want to learn. You're here because you want to educate yourself and ultimately educate your players. And so we're all in the same boat. I said at the beginning, if you didn't hear it, you know, I know basketball and I know service, you know, and so if I can serve you in any way, even if it's not anything to do with our conversation today, please, please hit me up. Charleston Southern Women's Basketball, you can find my email on there. If you can't find it here, just go to the website, you find it, you'll find me. Thank you guys so much, really. Thank you to the other three women um, and to everybody on the call. Um, side note, shout out to Destiny for the best lighting in the room. Okay, you guys, she might put the Amazon link in there so we get yeah, this one. Okay. <laughs> I'm over here having to leave to turn on lights because I couldn't see myself no more. But a uh, shout out to Destiny. <laughs> Look, y'all, um, it's little. It's just a little guy. It's just a little ring light. It goes right above your computer. I can plug you with the link. Look, I'm here for any sort of resource help. I'm help happy us. to give you the Amazon link for that too. Help us. But yo, on no seriously. But on a serious note, thank you all um, for taking the steps, for being open and being honest. Um, and let's continue the conversation. God bless you. Glad to have met you. And glad to know that we're family now. So to Shelly from Loyola, you ain't never alone. You better hit us up. Okay. <laughs>
Thank you guys. That, that's all I have. Thank you. It, this has been fun. It's been real. It, it's been an, um, insightful. So thank you for the opportunity to speak and share. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Like y'all shouldn't be thanking us. We're thanking you. You, you let us in your hearts and and positioned yourselves in ways that had just been so, so insightful. And, um, I really hope people get a lot out of this. Um, I know like I'm super young coach Covington recruited me and then, um, told us she was going to Wisconsin as I was like throwing up in the garbage can after running 32s. So, um, for us to, for, for life to be able to, to bring us back and for the circle to, to, to be like this, it's, it's really beautiful. And I think things need to, need to get tough before they can get better, but we're just trying to be that for, for you guys. And, and once again, anybody that, if you guys have anything, um, or whatever, please contact us. But, uh, just wanted to say thank you one more time. No, thank you. Both of you. Thank you genuinely for putting this together. It says a lot to who you guys are. So thank you. Definitely. All right. Well, you guys all have a um, great night and self-care. Make sure we're all okay mentally and physically and spiritually what we need. Um, take care of that and, and lean on each other. Thank you for listening to Women in Sports. This show is all about advancing the narrative for women in the sports industry. I'm one of the hosts, Aaron Sinnott. And I'm Ashton Pills. This is a Rising Coaches sponsored show that gives women in the sports industry the opportunity to tell their stories and talk about their experiences. Glad to have you listening along. Stay tuned. Women in Sports is brought to you by Rising Coaches. Rising Coaches is the biggest coaching tree in all of basketball. We have over 1,200 members of coaches who, from the high school all the way up to the professional level. Uh, and there's three things that we focus on, community, relationships, and development. There's no straight line in this business. There's only ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And when you're going through them, it is crucial that you have a support system and a community who has been through the fires themselves that you can lean on and help you through those tough times. Genuine relationships. We put the premium on genuine, uh, not just exchanging phone numbers and speaking one time a year at the Final Four. Uh, but rather creating relationships that will last a lifetime and help you both personally and professionally. And finally, and most importantly, development. We are constantly providing resources to our members so that they can work on their craft and add tools to their toolbox. The premise is this. If you sign up and become a member for Rising Coaches for just $120 a year, the relationships and the network will take care of themselves organically so that you can focus on working on your craft, and better serving the people that you come in contact every single day as a coach. For more information, visit risingcoaches.com and sign up for a membership today.